2: Of us in this room, number one, are sheep. Number two, all of us are shepherds. So I'm not a shepherd. Yes, you are. If you have children, you're a shepherd. If you're a husband, you're a shepherd. If you live in a subdivision, you're a shepherd of that subdivision. If you live in an apartment complex, you are. If you live on campus at the university, you're a shepherd. See, God places us there to kind of watch, protect, to interact with people. So. In one way, we're all shepherds. Of course, we have differing responsibilities.
0: In both the Old and New Testament, the Bible often refers to people as sheep. The book of Isaiah says that all we like sheep have gone astray, while the Gospels teach that Christ is the shepherd that guides us. In today's message, Pastor Mark uses multiple references in the Bible to expand upon this sheep and shepherd metaphor. In our study, we'll learn that as disciples of Christ, not only do we need shepherding, but we also take on the role of a shepherd as well. Whether you're a parent, manager, or head of a household, Pastor Mark will teach you how to better fulfill your God-appointed role. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Company Expanding. Great jobs available.
2: Lord, let us hear your lessons Turn to Matthew chapter 9. What do you see when you see sheep? You say, well, to be honest, Pastor Mark, I could care less. There's not too many sheep in Brevard County. Well, actually, there are. Do you know that the Bible says that we are sheep? The Bible often refers to people as sheep. What do we learn about sheep? Sheep are followers. They'll actually follow anyone. Did you see them? They're thinking, well, there's a voice, I'll follow them. The other thing that we know from sheep is they can't survive by themselves. They can't live by themselves. They need someone to care and to guide and protect them. Sheep actually need always... A shepherd. Take a look at what the Bible says many, many times about sheep. But the first thing to be reminded today, Bible often refers to people as sheep. So you're a sheep. If you're a person, you're a sheep. In an allegorical way, you're a sheep. Now Psalms 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Well, Since sheep are followers, sheep easily get into trouble. Isaiah 53 kind of shows us what that looks like. All of us have strayed, strayed away like sheep. In other words, we left the care of a shepherd. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Why am I going to talk about sheep today? Well, as you turn to Matthew, you're going to discover that Jesus uses this analogy right in the middle of his teaching. Let me bring you up to speed about what we're doing now that we've got back into Matthew. Jesus has come to the earth to do a number of things. One, to show people what God's like because he's in the flesh. Two, to die on the cross. But three, to establish a New Testament church. A company, I called it. The title of this morning's teaching is Companies Expanding. Great jobs are available everywhere. What Jesus is going to do is he's going to take 12 disciples initially and then expand that, and he's going to say to them, here's how you work in the New Testament church. Here's the goal of the New Testament church. Here's how it operates. He's going to say the people in the New Testament church are sheep. The New Testament church needs shepherds. You'll learn to be a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? How does a shepherd act? All of us in this room, number one, are sheep. Number two, all of us are shepherds. You say, I'm not a shepherd. Yes, you are. If you have children, you're a shepherd. If you're a husband, you're a shepherd. If you live in a subdivision, you're a shepherd of that subdivision. If you live in an apartment complex, you are. If you live on campus at the university, you're a shepherd. See, God places us there to kind of watch, protect, to interact with people. So in one way, we're all shepherds. Of course, we have differing responsibilities. As a part of this fellowship, I have the responsibility of being a human shepherd over thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But that all just filters down to all of us, number one, being a sheep, and I'm still a sheep, and I have the great shepherd, which is God. And then all of us are shepherds with responsibility. So we're going to learn today, Well, what do I do with sheep? How do I respond? And how do I respond to that responsibility of expanding the church? By the way, is the church still expanding today? Yes. I just said to you, here's Calvary chapels all over Africa now. Well, that's because the Word of God is expanding. The church is expanding. We begin in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, notice what he did, three things, teaching in the synagogues, number two, preaching the good news, and number three, healing every disease and sickness. We're going to learn about five key things that you and I as, as a part of the New Testament church as shepherds should do. I'd encourage you to write them down today. Those of you that are home watching by the internet, get your notepad out, get your Bible ready. Those of you that are sitting in the commons in the overflow area, you just get your Bibles and follow through with us. Now, let's learn what we can do together. Number one, Jesus went to where the people were with the good news. See, Jesus is teaching his disciples. The disciples are following him. One of the things we have to be aware of today, that Jesus took the message to the marketplace. You see, people don't basically just ride by this church and say, Hey, a church, I'm going to go on in. They have to be invited. You have to actually go and say to them, Would you come to church with me? Now, yesterday I did a wedding, and one of the individuals came up to me, and he said, You know, I've always wanted to come by this church. I have a church I go to, but I always want to come here. I go by, and there's cars always. There's millions of people. What in the world's going on in that place? So he said, I came. Well, the only reason he came because it was a wedding. And he got to see what's happening. We got to talk to him about all kind of stuff. It was neat because I had an Episcopal priest yesterday. I had a bunch of Catholic people here from the wedding and whatever. We just got to share the Lord. A lot of neat stuff happening. But see, the average guy driving by, and this is really a curious person, isn't going to drop in. And Jesus knew that if he's going to share the good news with the people, he had to go to them. He had to actually go to them. So that's a principle. You and I need to think about, well, this next week, inviting someone to church. When's the last time you did that? That's what Jesus was saying. We have to go to the people. The people aren't going to flock to us. Number two, when Jesus went to the people, the second thing that happened is Jesus ministered to the needs of people. You see, being around people is not enough. They need to be taught. They needed to be touched. So Jesus taught the word, he preached, and he supernaturally healed the sick. You see, it's not enough just to come to church and sit. We need to be active here and then out into the marketplace where people are hurting. Now, our son, the last time we visited him, he's into uh, saltwater aquariums. Saltwater aquariums are really neat. We went there and we got to see these aquariums and the living coral and all the different kinds of fish and whatever. And we had to go to all the places where he gets fish and those things. If you set this big aquarium up, he's got one like 100 gallons or whatever. You sit there and you look at it. It's gorgeous. Well, there's a little bit of life going inside. But not really much happens because actually all these fish came from an artificial reef somewhere. I mean a real reef and then they put them in this little tank. Well, the church is not to be like aquarium. We all just come from a little place during the week, sit here and look pretty and smile. A few neon things here, little things there, little whatever, little sucker fishes at the bottom. I won't tell you who those are. We just sit there and... That's not what a church is. A church is not obviously not an elevator and it's not an aquarium. The church is to be more like a fish hatchery. See, a fish hatchery is not showy, but it's very effective. You put these few fish in. They breed, 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 breed. You put them out in the waterways. And then they breed, 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 breed more. And then when you and I go to a restaurant, we eat them. Salmon. (laughs) Salmon's a good example. If any of you have tilapia around here, that's how they breed. They breed like crazy. Well, that's what a church is to be. We're not to sit here and look pretty. We're to go out in the world and breed and multiply each other by asking people to come to Christ. Now... Look at verse 36. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had, circle this word, we'll be back, he had compassion on them. Well, why did he do that? Because they were harassed. And here's a very, very interesting word. People, humans, don't like this word. They were harassed and helpless. They were helpless people. Notice, here's why the opening, like sheep without a shepherd. Well, what does a sheep look like without a shepherd? Oh, I told you, sheep are followers. Sheep always get in trouble without a shepherd. So if people are a sheep without a shepherd, they're exactly what Jesus saw. They're harassed and they're helpless. And by the way, oh, they're in great danger. So number three, Jesus saw the people's needs. You see, this was outside of the little circle of Jesus' 12 disciples. I believe when Jesus looked out on this mass of people, he saw individual faces. He saw them as herding sheep. And when he could see they were harassed, they were frustrated, they were hopeless, the emotion that took him over was a word that we don't use a lot. He had compassion on him. That's number four. Jesus had compassion on the people. Now, what does compassion mean? Well, it's, it's pity, it's sympathy, it's mercy, it's, it's empathy. Why did Jesus have compassion on them? What was he doing? Well, what does compassion mean? It's kind of like this. Let's say that Jesus came to a this group of people, and he looked out, and maybe that day somebody had given him a brand new pair of sandals. He was spanking brand new sandals on there, great. And he looks down at the people, and man, you know, their sandals are beaten, there's hardly anything left on the bottom, and, you know, he just looks at them and goes, wow. What is compassion? Well, compassion isn't going, wow. Compassion's taking your new pair of sandals off and giving it to somebody sitting down here on the mountainside and putting their sandals on. You see, what Jesus was trying to do was this, say to his disciples, I want you to live where they're living. I want you to feel what they're feeling. I want you to relate to them. Now, if you ever visit people in a hospital, you'll learn to have compassion. You go in kind of thinking, well life's been pretty tough to me today or whatever, you go into the hospital, you see those people in the bed, especially if you go to a child's ward and you leave with compassion because you have it really good compared. So Jesus, as he looks at these people, he says to the disciples, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Relate to how they are. Well, why does Jesus say they're harassed? Why does Jesus, when he looks out on these people, say they're helpless? Well, let me give you an idea. Let's use you as a crowd this morning. You're the Jewish people. Why would Jesus say you're harassed and helpless? Well, basically because of this. You see, the Jewish religion at that point, let's say this was a synagogue, at that point, was rules, rituals, regulations. It was dead. If I was one of the priests, I could care less about you. I'm trying to make money. It's a living. I'm just trying to get by. We go through our deal. You're out of here, boom. Pay your money. See you. Bye. Not an interest in the people, they don't know how to live. The whole system is basically corrupt. It's amazing to me. In that day, religion kept people kept people from finding God. Do you believe today that religion in our country could keep people from finding God? All through our city today, there's many wonderful churches, but there's lots of churches where people will never find God. They come, money, 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 they're bye, and they checked in, they did their deal, they're gone. And they left just as needy as when they walked through the doors. Well, that's not the reason to come to church. So Jesus looks out on these people. They're, they're hopeless. They're spiritually sick. Their lives have no center. They tried to find God. They can't find God. They don't even know who God is. Their religious people don't even relate to a personal relationship with God. So every single day is filled with despair. There's no hope. There's futility. They simply don't know how to do life. They're hurting. They're stressed out. They're troubled. They're frustrated. They're clueless. And they go to the only place they know to find answers to life, and there's no answers. And Jesus looks out on the people and he goes, man, I'm hurting for these people. They want to know God. They want to have peace. But they can't find it. They don't know how to raise their kids. They don't know how to do anything. And his heart went out to them. And then he uses that term, sheep without a shepherd. So tell me, where did Jesus put the blame? Right here, to the religious leaders. That's where he put the blame. He said, you have a responsibility from God to lead, to feed, to tend, to protect, to love those sheep. And the reason they're harassed and helpless is because the shepherds are not leading. The shepherds are bad. So Jesus is saying to his 12 disciples, I want you to feel and I want you to see the real need. What Jesus is going to do then is contrast A bad shepherd, a bad priest, a bad pastor versus a good shepherd. Turn with me. Keep your finger right there. We'll be back in a moment. Turn with me, if you will, to uh, John chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Three books back. John chapter 10. You see, the people didn't have a real shepherd to watch over them. Jesus is going to say to his disciples, here's what a real shepherd does. You picked up on the the traits of a real shepherd. And by the way, I'm going to tell you who to model after. And obviously, it's going to be Jesus. You know, the Old Testament tells us that there would come a shepherd in the form of Jesus, and he would be what the people needed. That would be the role model. Jesus begins here in John chapter 10. And we'll skip down to verse 11. Notice what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. Now, why why doesn't he just say, I am the shepherd? Well, because he's contrasting the bad shepherds and a good shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now notice what he's going to say, that many of the Jewish shepherds and many of our pastors or priests or whatever today, not all, certainly, many wonderful pastors and priests, but many are hired hands. It's a living. It's a job. Notice what Jesus said. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, this hired hand, well, he abandons the sheep and run. Another one, was a difficulty, he runs. Then the wolf attacks the flock. Scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Then Jesus repeats it. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What was Jesus saying? Something you need to know and I need to know. It's very simple. Here it is. Everyone needs a shepherd, and Jesus is the only true shepherd. See, if you're a sheep, and I'm a sheep, sheep are wanderers. They need a shepherd. You'll hear people say, today, there's no need for corporate church anymore. You can just do, sit by the internet and watch the internet. Well, the internet's great. If you can't get to church, I think it's a great mechanism. If you're not used to coming to church, I think it's a great mechanism. But the church will never go away. See, God designed you as a sheep to be in a church where you have a shepherd. And here you have a pastor and numbers of pastors and elders, and we're your shepherds. We're not hirelings. This is certainly not a job for us. All the elders, in fact, aren't even paid anything. And those of us that are pastors all of us left other professions because God called us to do this. It's a calling. So notice what we see here that Jesus says, the sheep need a shepherd. The ultimate shepherd of this flock is not myself, it's God. But under God, I am the one responsible for the sheep. I need a shepherd I have one. You need a shepherd. You have one. But you need a local shepherd. Now, skip down to verse 27 because it's a huge, huge verse. Now, if you're a sheep, how do you know that you have a real relationship with God? Let me give you Just let me have your attention for a second. Look up here. A lot of people will sit... You'll go to somebody and say, are you a Christian? Well, sure, I'm a Christian. Back in 74, I accepted the Lord. And you say, well, what church do you go to? Well, I don't really go to church once in a while. I drop by, but not really interested in church too much." What, do you read the Bible? Well, once in a while. I've read it once. I got through it. It's pretty cool. And you say to them, well, you're going to go to heaven then, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I, absolutely, I'm a Christian. Well, when I meet those people kindly, I usually challenge them with a verse just about what you're going to read. Because I want to say something to you. Most of those people are not believers. They never did become a Christian. You say, Pastor Mark, are you a judge? No, I just take the Scripture and show you. So if you're a sheep, what does a sheep do? How does a sheep respond? If Jesus is your shepherd, if God is your shepherd, what does that look like? Well, here in verse 27, it's very simple to see what it looks like. Take a look. My sheep, Christian, Jesus, sheep, number one, they do what? Tell me. They listen to whose voice? My voice. Number two, I know them. Do you remember what Jesus said in in Matthew 7? He says, On that last day, many will say, Well, didn't we do this and that and the other? And Jesus said, I never, never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. That's the greatest misconception. It continues today. You can be a church member all you want, but unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not a believer. So Jesus says this, My sheep listen, number one, to my voice. Number two, I know them. And it doesn't stop there. What's the third really, really, really big proof that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You do what? That was real tough, wasn't it? You see, I hear him. I know him. And I prove it by following him. So a person says, well, I got saved in 74 and go to church. No, read the Bible. Yeah, I have a couple times, whatever. I'm going to say to them, here's what I say to them, kindly. You tell me if you're a follower of Jesus Christ right now. What are they going to say to me? No. And I'm going to say to them, check this verse out. Because you're not a sheep of Jesus. You say, well, that's pretty hard, isn't it? I'd rather them hear it from me now than too late. Do you understand? So Jesus just simply says, and here's a little statement you want to write down. It makes a lot of sense. Sheep only do well when they listen and they obey and they follow.
0: When reading both the Old and New Testament, we frequently come across the metaphor of sheep. This is the scriptural comparison of how mankind is similar in behavior to that of a lamb. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark expanded upon this analogy to help us gain a better understanding of our relationship with Christ. In our study, we learned that as believers, we take on the role of both learner and leader.
3: Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com.
0: Those of us who have been following Christ for any length of time are well aware of the natural tendency to wander or stray in the Christian faith. Just as the Bible teaches, each of us are in need of guidance and direction in our daily lives as believers. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us the importance of being diligent in our walk and responding to God's call who seeks to guide us daily. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given